Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today, I have one ask for you. If you are enjoying the show, if you enjoy today's episode, or if you are learning anything at all, please do me a huge favor and share the show with somebody, Well, whether that's in person, texting somebody, or just sharing it on social media. I cannot thank you enough for your support. So, today's guest is none other than the Colin Henderson. Colin Henderson is the founder and CEO of Master Your Mindset, which is an industry leader in the field of mental conditioning. He is a speaker and author of five books dealing with peak performance, most notably his recent books, Quiet Mind and Quiet Mind for Kids, just recently released. They are awesome, and I will drop a link to pick up a copy in the show notes. I highly recommend it. Uh, Colin earned his undergraduate and master's degrees from Washington State University, where he was a starting two-sport athlete, Pac-12 champion, a team captain, and an academic All-American. So after a successful career in the sales world after school, he started his company, Master Your Mindset, in 2016 and has worked with some incredible companies like Nike, Zillow, Microsoft, Lululemon, the LA Dodgers, and many, many more. One thing I really appreciate about Colin is his commitment to not just increasing the performance of himself and his clients, but I love his ability to utilize that skill set in his role as a parent and help other parents to do the same. But above it all, Colin is an incredible man, husband, and father, and I am so glad we had the opportunity to chat. So here's my conversation with the Colin Henderson. And we are live. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And man, today we got a guy here that I am so excited to talk to, the one and only Colin Henderson uh, from Master Your Mindset from, uh, you know, man, this guy... I got to tell you, Colin, you are a guy that I have not followed for very long. So in preparing for an interview that I had the privilege to do with Jordan Montgomery recently, um, I came across an interview that you had done with him on his podcast. And man, I was just so struck, like right off the bat, like I was telling you before we came on air here, like the, the way that you can take these big, I think, scary ideas and human psychology, human behavior, brain function, all these things, and just bring it down, shrink wrap it, put it in like this little compartment, this little thing, this little slogan or catchphrase that somebody could put in their pocket, take with them and then recall later and actually live by those words. To me, there's a lot of brilliance in that. And on top of that, your delivery style, your communication style, you've got this like this flow to you, this like poetry in motion vibe going on. Um, so on top of the information, just being super helpful, implementable, palatable, it's also super entertaining. Uh, so all that being said, Colin Henderson, welcome to the show, my man. B-Dub, Brendan, thank you so much, man. Well, you mentioned Jordan, who's a dear friend. Um, and it's really important to be dads. It's really important around other dads that are are pushing you to to grow, to serve, to be present, to get better. So I'm pumped for this conversation. You got two boys, two and four. I got one son, four daughters, you know, nine, seven, five, four, and two. So people ask, why are you a mindset coach? I was like, 
we have five kids, nine and under. Our youngest, <laughs> Memphis, we call her the Kraken. She's like 20 kids. So um, anytime we get some dads together to talk about dad stuff is awesome. Heck yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for making some time for us. I'm, I'm super excited to have you on. So I wanted to, I figured we'd start our conversa- conversation today, give everybody a little bit of context on, on who you are. So I'd love to go back to your childhood first. Mm-hmm. We'll start from the bottom and let's build you up. So who were you as a kid? Uh, what was your childhood like? Siblings, yeah. family dynamic, all that good stuff. That's a great question. Let's start there. So uh, what's up team? Colin Henderson from Puyallup, Washington, which is, you got Seattle. It's, it's just, just south of Seattle. So I'm from the Northwest, um, the youngest of two. So I have an older brother, Patrick. Mm-hmm. What's up, Peahan? So, so Patrick was um, older brother, you know, uh, but usually like brothers fight. Like we never fought. Like for some reason, Patrick is um, just the most loyal, humble, like servant leader. Um, but I was for some reason always the same height as him. I was a little faster, a little stronger, but I would always play with like his friends because I was the younger brother. So I think mm-hmm. we kind of noticed early on, I was pretty skilled at sports. So that's really what we did, man. I, we were both played sports. Uh, my uh, dad played quarterback at Washington State University. Um, he was a professional player in racquetball back when in the seventies and eighties when everybody was playing racquetball. Now no one plays racquetball. Um, so I got to see, and he played softball. He was like a hall of fame softball player, like just a great athlete. Um, so I was just around sports, man. That, that's what I love. That's what I love to do. Um, going into high school, you know, baseball scouts started coming to my games. I played football, baseball and basketball. Um, and I got some, some offers and scholarship offers. So I'm a coog, went to Washington state. Um, but as a kid, man, I'm a pleaser by, by nature. I'm, I'm sensitive by, uh, by nature. Um, and then getting into, um, you know, what has shaped my, my mindset. And I would just tell this to, to any dad listening to this, your child's conditioning starts day one and how the brain is, is conditioned is shaped by three things what we see, hear, and experience. So I think what shaped my confidence or maybe even lack of confidence was as much as my dad loved me, he was the most competitive human being on the planet. And my, my, my parents have been married for almost 50 years, you know, 45 years or something, a uh, great marriage. And they're at all my games, but I would always hear my, my dad was that dad that would kind of yell and everybody knew it, but, but mm-hmm. it was out of, he, he wanted to win. It wasn't because he loved, he wanted to win and he coached me. So I would associate the feedback of some intense language on, you know, missing a shot in basketball or striking out or throwing an interception or whatever. So I slowly, my conditioning, just like Pav's Love's dog, when you jingle the bell, the dog salivates because it associates a, a juicy steak with whatever that, that bell, I start to associate shame and fear with sports as much as I loved it it was just kind of it was tough because I, I wanted to be loved I wanted to be liked and I think I don't think my parents knew what was happening but I think I slowly got this this conditioning of worth tied to an outcome mm-hmm. and I will say this um Brennan what percent of kids quit sports by the age of 13 oh uh start the guess at half the answer is 70 (sighs) percent. why because i think kids are associating shame and embarrassment and worth because 
the parents are messing it up. And I, I love this phrasing champions are born and then unmade. I'll say it again. That. Champions are born and then unmade. We are conditioning our kids to associate worth tied to an outcome. And I ask parents, what's more important parents, your relationship with your kid or how many points they get? Like, let's be real. No, no college scout, no college coach ever said, what's your batting average when, when you were 13 <laughs> or, or when you were 10, you know, no one. So a lot of parents associate their status socially or their worth on how well their kids do in a sport. So the reason why I'm in this, 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 this profession, this like area of focus is, you know, my, uh, my, my, my dad is my uh, best friend. Like he, he, he just, I don't think he realized like most parents do, mm -hmm. you know, how you speak to your children becomes their self-talk. How you speak to your kids becomes their self-image and what you evaluate, they, they evaluate. So we, we got to teach our kids process over outcome. And, and here's a pop quiz for you, Brendan, who's the yeah. highest paid, who's the highest paid athlete in baseball right now? Mike Trout. Mike Trout, Angels. Well, they asked his parents, Mike Trout, parents, how, how, did, you, how did you help Mike Trout become arguably the best player I've ever seen? The dad said it was simple. It's simple. If Mike went five for five of five home runs or 0 for five, five strikeouts, we didn't care. How was, how was he as a teammate and how was his effort? So that, that's process over outcome. So if, if you tell, tell Timmy or Stacy, hey, if you get three hits, you get an ice cream cone. Well, what happens when they don't get three hits? They, they feel, you know, anxious and depressed and sad because they didn't get, you know, so it's all extrinsic and that's just not the right way. So playing at Washington State, you know, I started as a slot receiver punt returner as a true freshman, week five, started the whole year, started for four years. But, and in baseball, I, I took two years off. I played three years, captain the baseball team. But my whole mindset was don't fail. Don't mess up. Mm -hmm. Don't screw up. And going into my last season of baseball, I played one year of summer baseball. I'm playing in the Mink League. I'm playing in St. Joe, Missouri, birthplace of Eminem, by the way. There we go. And uh, I had a good first year of baseball. I had a not so good second year. I'm going to my last year because I took two years off. And my first month of the season, I'm hitting like 350. You know, I'm kind of like by myself. There's whatever. I'm just getting back into the field, feeling confident. And my uh, dad flies down in first game, 0 for 4. Next game, 0 for 4. Because I'm, I'm performing, trying to please my dad. And I always ask parents, hey, uh, parents. Have you ever noticed that your kids, their best games are when you're not there? Why is that? Because they're not worried about, they don't have this like, uh, this like eye in the sky. Like sometimes you can feel when eyes are on you, even though they're not, maybe yep. they are. Like you just feel this extra weight, this extra pressure. So I go 0 for 8 and he's like, so I, I fly down here and you get no hits. Now I, and I was old enough to where I could, set some boundaries and I said you, you can't come to my to my games anymore imagine parents imagine dad if your child said you can't come watch me play you know Brendan you have you have two sons imagine if your mm -hmm. kid said dad I, I don't watch I don't want you at, at my at my games that would crush me but he loved me he's like oh my god I, I didn't I could not articulate so the 
prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until we're on, on our early 20, early mid 20s. And that's the mm -hmm. part of the brain that processes information, choices. We can't have these complex conversations when we're 11. We don't know how to, how to communicate and to reset boundaries for our emotional safety, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I think kids are missing out on whether it's band music, choir or debate team or acting or you know whatever it is or sports because they have this fear like they're doing it for their, their parents or doing it for some other reason. It's not coming from them, you know? Right. And, and my dad, if, if I could just communicate my things, he probably would have said, oh, I didn't know. I just mm -hmm. wasn't confident, wasn't clear enough to have these complex conversations because I have this, I was a kid, you know? Right. And, you know, I've been very fortunate, fortunate to have some really um, incredible conversations so far in this podcast. That might be the single most convicting thing that has been said so far. I mean, I'm thinking about, I mean, last night I'm at a four-year-old baseball game. It's first year of so underhand soft toss and i'm standing four feet from my son giving him batting advice while he's standing there but like while he's trying to have an at bat like does it matter at you know they're not scouts aren't calling asking for batting average from when you were 13 definitely not calling to ask about you know batting average when he's four um mm -hmm. man that's just okay so, 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 so I'm, gonna I'm, gonna, I'm gonna add this level to this thing okay so there is a psychologist out of stanford i wish i could remember the name but i, I, re I read this research I'm going to give credit. This came from Stanford. Okay. The, the question was, is what environment do children need to build resilience? Listeners, what do you think? Maybe Brandon, what do you think? If you can kind of start with, hey, what's the best environment that kid needs to build resilience? And if you look at the word grit, grit is mm -hmm. the number one predictor of success. It's not attitude, talent, or IQ. It's, are you gritty? Can you overcome adversity, challenge, change? So mm -hmm. what is the number one environment that kid needs to, to build that? Uh, I, I want to say, I've heard you say this before, so I'm going to cheat and I still might get it wrong, but psychological safety, psychological safety. Boom. So if, if great job, my friend, great job doing research. So, so dad's on the podcast. If you're reactive, if, if you're attaching your feedback only when something's wrong or you're only praising outcomes and results and, or you, um, are, you, you are very re reactive to like what they do. Mm -hmm. they're going to, they're going to subconsciously associate worth tied to outcome. And you're developing what, what, what Carol DeWitt calls a fixed mindset where you don't want feedback. You don't want to mm -hmm. be challenged. Um, you think it really comes down to just, just talent and skill where it's, no, it's about effort. It's about, you want feedback. Uh, it's really about the, the growth and the process. You aren't defined. One of the biggest things I tell any, any performer, pro athlete, or a youth performer I train is master these five words. I'm not defined by this. Who says that this playing music or playing this instrument or, or you doing an acting class or, or riding horses or poetry or you know, playing this sport defines your worth. Your worth is, um, are you growing? Are you serving? Are you, are you present? So if we don't let our, our kids fail, they won't grow. And I like to tell the story about Sarah Blakely. Do you know who, who Sarah is? Uh, from Spanx. She's found a Spanx. She's worth yep. billions, mm -hmm. billions. She's a billionaire trailblazer. And they asked Sarah, Sarah, how'd you build this empire? Like you've created a whole industry. You, you changed the marketplace. Like what, what's, your, what's your secret to your success? And she says, that's a great question. Well, it was, a, it was, um, my, my, my mental, you know, shaping of who I was and my beliefs and, you know, what I, what I did was shaped at an early age 
of a question that my dad asked me and my brother after school every single week. What questions do we ask our kids? Or what questions, Brendan, did your parents ask you after school? How's your day? Uh, you know, yeah. what'd, you, what'd you do today? Who'd you talk to? What, yeah, you know, who'd, you, it, who'd you play with? Yeah. yeah. She said, he never asked us that. He asked us one question every day our whole childhood. Did you fail today? Ooh. And if we said no, he was sad. Because he's like, well, why aren't you trying new things? Why aren't you getting comfortable being uncomfortable? Why aren't you stretching this like comfort zone and getting out of that comfort zone? If you don't fail, you don't grow. So she says, in my family, my, my mindset to me, failure was just simply not trying. I'm not afraid to fail. That's savage that stuff is. right there, brother. It so, is. yeah. And can, can I add one more story to this? Yeah, and keep it rolling, brother. Okay. So, because yeah, again, I, I wrote a book called, called Positive Parenting. I do workshops for parents. Um, and a lot of this was derived from when early in my career, being a mindset coach, I'd worked with a bunch of uh, like groups of athletes. And one of the, the, our sessions was on like courage. And I would ask the question, when you fail or make a mistake and you feel that like warm blanket of shame and nerves come over you, what are you like, actually worried about? Like, what are you thinking about? Like, what, there's like, obviously this like trigger and you are associating. So, so anxiety and fear is when your thoughts become physical, right? Mm -hmm. Palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, vomit on a sweater, already mom's spaghetti. Like there's, it becomes a, a physical state change. And the overwhelming response I got was what? What are they worried about? Judgment, their parents. From, yeah, it was, I'm worried about what, what mom or dad are saying or- yeah. That, that car ride home or having to yep. explain myself, you know? So what we're, we, we have, what we start seeing is we get what's what I call bleacher peekers. Like they're always looking for a validation from either a, a bad call or a mistake, or if someone has, they, they just are looking for that like approval. Mm -hmm. And, and it, 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 I had this epiphany in my mind. My mind just exploded. I, I was thinking, dang, how many coaches do you think kids have? like throughout their life, teachers, mentors, coaches, a ton. Then I, then I said, dang, well, how many coaches do parents have to be a better parent? They, yeah, they zero. Zero. So, so when I do parent workshops, I ask that question. It's like, well, parents, if your kid was in a room and they knew their answer Man. wouldn't be shared and they asked, you know, what's their biggest fear when they make a mistake? What do you think your, your kid would say? They, they, they never say me, ever. <laughs> And I was like, well, I just did a survey and 60% said that it's you. And, and then, Brendan, there's research I like to, to share from, from I-9 Sports it sh that showed that kids reported 31% of kids wish their parents were at their games. Man. Dude, this is that conditioning. And yeah, that's a big they're, number. They're yeah, they're worried about that's what's one out of one out of three. So parents you're you're the problem i'm sorry <laughs> and that means we can do better right but i know but i mean you but i would say if you look at like what shapes the mindset of a child um it's i think parent is number one their environment peers obviously play a big role with what they're consuming you know mm -hmm. with these devices yep. um and the other side of this is well I've, i also hear well well johnny isn't motivated Sally's not motivated. So I got to get in there and well, you can't make some, somebody be great. Find, find something else. Why does it have to be sports? Can it be writing? Can it be reading? Can it be music? Can it be uh, coding? Can it be, I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Like why, why are you making it? So the last story I'm going to tell you on this is just, I'm trying to give some, do some storytelling for some evidence. Like, it's not just yep. like, I can get, I can quote science. I can quote, <laughs> you know, but let's, let's just look at goats. Yep. Let's, let's look at some goats. Let's do it. We, we say Kobe is top five. Yeah. Easy. In basketball. Kobe, easy. the mom, the mama mindset, the most ferocious competitor, probably more ferocious than Jordan. I hope nobody's going to fight you on that one. Well, Kobe was on one of my favorite podcasts called the school of greatness podcast. Shout out to, to Lewis house. And Lewis is like, Kobe, where did this mama mentality come from? Parents, wouldn't you want your kids to just be confident, competitive, successful, hungry, hard worker, grinder, you know, now I would say could, could Kobe's bedside manners be better when he played probably, but he really (laughs) evolved once he retired, right? He was all, all about service. Absolutely. But Kobe, Kobe tells the story to Lewis House. Like, Lewis, actually, my mama mindset was built when I was 11. I was 11. So my, my dad got drafted in, in the NBA, played in the NBA, and then went overseas and played. So as a kid, my childhood was in Europe. Um, and when I was 11 years old, we moved back to, to North Philly. And I'm playing in, my, in my, my first basketball league. It was a summer league. And he said, I, I wasn't developed physically yet, so I didn't score a point. He said, the, the last game, all I wanted to do was just score one basket. Like, Kobe just scored a basket. I wanted to please my dad. I wanted to not look, not, not look like a chump to these people. Everybody knew who my dad was, and, and Kobe's not as good as his dad. Look, he's, he didn't get that gene. Mm-hmm. And guess what? His last game, he didn't score a bucket. So he's, like, defeated, self-worth tied to outcome. Like, I'm a horrible person. No one, blah, blah, blah. He said, in that moment, in that moment, my life changed because my biggest hero, who I was trying to be like, my, my father put his arm around me. He said, Kobe, listen, if you score zero points or 60 points, I don't care. I'm going to love you the exact same way. And Kobe said, boom, the mama mindset was born because I didn't, I wasn't afraid to fail. That's incredible. So if I'm, if I'm hearing all this, like I said, I'm feeling a little convicted right now. Being, being, being the over-aggressive T-ball coach. So I think the first step is we've acknowledged this. Let's take ownership of this as parents. Like this, we are, we are responsible for filling our kids' heads. The self-talk that they're going to have, their subconscious that they're going to be, the stories that they're going to be telling themselves for the rest of their lives, it's, that's a heavy burden to bear. Like that's a big responsibility on us as parents. So I think we first have to take the ownership. So then I think, how, how do we do that? And you mentioned, you touched on something before about, you know, praise and affirm controllables, not the outcomes is, is the essence of what you were saying before. So now can you speak on that? Maybe elaborate just on that point in particular. So like now we've addressed the problem. Let's talk about like what we can do, how we can, maybe some examples of how we can do better. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing we understand that the brain is a like Velcro when things are negative, like ne- negativity, like Velcro, positivity just bounces off. It's like, it's like, like Teflon. And this, this, this conditioning is shaped by trauma, drama, daddy, and mama. We've got that established. So, so what do we need to do? The first thing we need to do is we need to model the behaviors. We need to model the behaviors. And so if you want your child to have compassion, you want your child to be present, you want your child to Look people in the eye. You want your child to give great effort. You want your child to listen. Um, then you need to model those things. People don't, kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. For example, our, our youngest daughter, Memphis. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying her with me. And this is like when she was like a year, a year. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I was walking and I just spit, right? I just spit. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but then she starts <laughs> to try to spit. You know, how, it's just a simple example, yeah. but, 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 but kids have, we all as humans, we have what's called mirror neurons. We model and mirror what we see. That's just how it works. How we speak, how we think, how we dress, how we talk. It's modeled and it's mirrored. Mm-hmm. So the best thing you can do for your kids is model the right behaviors. Mm-hmm. Model them. Yeah. Sh- show them. Show them how to do it. That's step one. Mm-hmm. Step two. Step two is to, as a family, establish core values. Establish core values. So I like that. Our co- our core values of our house is to be a G. We're gonna put God first. And then it's gratitude, giving, growing every single day. Now, now, but now that we've established core values, we need to practice those core values. So how we practice that is, let's look at gratitude. Every day during meals, we'll pick a meal and we'll, we'll play happy breakfast or happy lunch or happy dinner. And mm-hmm. every kid goes around the table and says one thing that makes them happy. And after that one kid says what makes them happy, we count to three, one, two, three, then we pound the table, happy. So we, we make like gratitude and happiness, like, like a, a game, you know, and, and a part of like, like giving and happiness or gratitude, we, we do a game where we go around the table and every kid gives another kid a compliment and they have to give themselves a compliment. Oh, I like that. So, so they're looking at, Hey, you did this today or I like this about you, but actually I like this about, about me, you know? So, so elevating self-awareness, uh, confidence and belief. Um, and we always, after every single meal, a lot, a lot of this uh, applies around mealtime just because we're all together. Yep. Um, we, we always do a cheer where we say thank you to whoever made the meal. We all put our hands together and say one, two, three, thank you. So we, here's what we say. The kids say after over years, it's evolved. Usually it's my, my wife, Kendra, does a meal. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Thanks, mom. You're the bomb. Dot com. Cheech and Chong. Ding dong. Ooh, ah. But we just do this like fun, <laughs> just like saying thank you. And yeah. then, and then, and then for, for forgiving, we have a family slogan. I was every every dad on this podcast have a family slogan, have a mantra in, in advertising. So if I said this, uh, Brendan, ba da ba ba ba, I'm loving it, loving it. Geico, fifteen minutes can save you. Uh, something something or less. Fifteen percent car. Fifteen percent or less. Here's here's the easy one. Arby's, we have the beef. The, the meats okay oh, how about how, how about nike just do it do it so dude, this is like them. a well this is like a mantra a slogan it's like an advertising campaign to remind like what are we what's what's our slogan what's mm-hmm. our well, what are we about so um the slogan that i like and again i'm just i'm just i'm just mind screwing all my kids on this stuff <laughs> you know so so i uh i say hey henderson's help kids what do Henderson's do? Like help, Henderson's help, and and conditioning. I learned the story about about this you know, this, this entrepreneur who found Spanx. Her dad asked her, "How'd you fail?" That shaped her conditioning. So I asked my kids after school at the end of the day when I talk them in after say prayers, "Who'd you help today?" That's good. That's, That's the good. only question I ask them. I don't ask them how school went or did you homework. Like who would you help? So it's like teaching our kids: seek to serve, don't swerve. You know, yeah. have that have that servant servant mindset. So one would be to model the behaviors. Number two would be like to identify what are we going to evaluate, mm-hmm. and and all of those things that we evaluate and that we that we model that we praise that we focus on are in our control. 
Right. These are all, all process, like giving, like giving, like that means effort. Like it means serving, you know, uh, gratitude, thankfulness, saying thank you, mm-hmm. um, abundance, um, you know, growth, growth mindset. Like, dude, I love failure. Failure is legit. If you're trying hard and you're, and you're, and you're, you're learning from it. Like, I don't want my kids to not be afraid to fail. So I don't ever talk about outcomes, results. Like, how was your effort? Did you give good effort? Did you try? Did we have fun? Were you, you be a good teammate? Were you a good friend? You know, were you a good sibling? Yeah. I think that's such a good point right there. Be careful what you praise. Like that's something I think about a lot. I think about that a lot. Like last night, again, four-year-old T-ball game, like my son, like did great. He got out there. He had fun. Like, did he light the game up on fire? Like, can you really light up a game when you're four years old though? But like, you know, he, you know, he dribbled a little ground ball. Then, you know, by his standards, didn't hit the ball that hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in my head, like when we get in the car, I got to be over the top, proud and like clapping my hands. Like, buddy, I'm so proud of you for, you know, he's, he's not super socially excited to get out there. So I'm like praising him. Like, mm-hmm. buddy, I'm so proud of you for being brave, for getting out there, for, you know, having fun, talking to your teammates, being respectful to your coaches. Um, but I think that's something that we, like, I think that's a line kind of that we got to be careful of, like into the. I guess on the other side of that, it's, you know, thinking about if he does have a great game, am I going to be consistent and praise it for the same things? That's like okay. the input or the output. Yeah. So, so watch this. Maybe, maybe step three, I'm, I'm a, I got four steps, but we're gonna do step three. So, so let me ask a question, true or false. There are two ways of thinking positive or negative, true or false. Ooh, true. False. There's this middle ground, which is called neutral thinking. Okay. We're not overjudging high. We're not overjudging low. It's not really good or really bad. Mm-hmm. So, so, so neutrality is what's in my control. I'm in the present moment. I'm not too high. I'm not too low, but I'm thinking, what's the next, the next best step? What's the next right, right move? You know, it's a mm-hmm. more action-based. So as, as parents, let's just stay chill and neutral bad or good you know this is mm-hmm. here's an example the best fans are our grandparents why grandparents are neutral man they're just happy to be there they don't really yell big or loud they're just there <laughs> and supportive they're so consistent yep. they're so just so if, if you're always positive all the time sometimes we don't need positive so the research so sometimes we can create what's called toxic positivity oh which that, that's something it, i wouldn't have considered yeah, if, if we're in like a really adverse situation, dude, being overly fake positive is actually going to make them feel feel worse. Yeah. Oh, just get over it. No big deal. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. No, like have some empathy. And if you can just be consistent and just love them. So this is from his name is Bruce Brown. He did some research. He's like a, a titan in this field, like working with parents and coaches. And he surveyed college scholarship athletes. And they said, well, what, what did your parents say to you that got you confident to get a scholarship to have success at the next level? You have the same response with these six words. I love to watch you play. And that's all you say. Ooh. Nothing more, nothing else. I love, I love to watch you play and shut up. I love to watch you play. Really, it's kind of neutral. It's like not, mm-hmm. we're, not we're not praising, we're not critiquing. I just, it's a new, I, I love to watch you play. Okay, hey, where, where should we get to dinner? What, what, you know, like, don't need to like do a hyper saber metrics an- an analysis <laughs> on on their on their on their launch angle and go into detail. Like, no, they're 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 they're, they're ten. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's so the, that's so good. Yeah. So the question is, is like, parents, how long does it take your kid to be a kid when the game is over? 
Yeah. Parents, whose goal is it? Your goal or is it the kid's goal? You know, these, these are so, convicting questions. I know. So, <laughs> so, so step one is to model the behaviors, model the action. Um, step, step two is just have some, have some core values. Like honestly pinpoint them and, and discuss them and talk about it and practice them. Step three, just stay neutral, man. Chill. <laughs> chill like why, why are you putting so much emphasis on a freaking 12 and under basketball game like the, their goal is are they getting better and are they loving loving what they're doing you know yeah um and then the the fourth one is just just to remember the power of the mind there's nothing more powerful than the mind the body has limits but the mind is limitless the biggest growth potential is not physical it is it's mental so i would i would encourage to teach your kids mindfulness, I would encourage to teach your kids how to visualize because a lot of times when we get anxious, stressed out, your kids are going to pontificate and visualize all the bad stuff happening, all the mm -hmm. bad stuff, all the failure where people are going to think. So if you can train your brain to focus on abundance and gratitude, positive self-talk, and, and to visualize things that they want, not what they don't want, that's just a mental skill that most kids do not have, 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 have access to. Mm -hmm. So- Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just no, going to say that might be a good opportunity to jump into talking about quiet mind for kids. Tell us about it. Yeah. Let's so, go. so quiet. So, so the, the fourth one is like, Hey, let, let's equip our kids with some mental and emotional skills and parents. You don't have to be an expert. You can buy a book called quiet mind, which I wrote for parents, for coaches, teachers, and kids to help with some of these things. So I, I teach a method, which is called the best method to be your best. So part of my other backstory with this is that attachment to outcomes and worth, that anxiety that I had manifested into a slight stutter. So when I switched schools in sixth grade and all this kind of stuff was like hitting like a, it became more apparent that, you know, attaching worth to outcome and high performance, I'm really talented with athletics. So if I do well, then, you know, people like Colin, you're really good, man. You're a great running back, a great quarterback, good point guard, a great, you know, uh, whatever shortstop and you hit the ball great like so i would attach worth to outcome so if i feel like i would just like in these social environments i would start stuttering dude it's crazy mm -hmm. and so i wrote a book quiet mind telling basically my story i use a different character her, her name is ray and she's in her school and they asked she's asked to read out loud and she like gets super nervous like a lot of kids you know how many kids who are asked to to, to speak in public or read out loud, they put their head down and they get all quiet and they just kind of just crumble and without having that like big body language and confidence using voice and tone. I'm not defined by this. I can be myself. I love myself. Let's go. So like, I just didn't have any of that coaching. Mm -hmm. And and most, most parents, they want coaching on how to help their kids. They don't know what to do because, because Brendan, in the, in the history of telling your kid to calm down, no one's ever calmed down. <laughs> Truth. Right. Yep. So here's a four step system that parents you can use for yourself that you can teach your kids it's called the best method acronym to be your best best version of you let's do these four steps to be your best b is is, is to breathe is to find your breath you know how many mouth breathers we have out there a lot so so when you're a mouth breather you're burning more energy you're taking in more oxygen. So when we get stressed and anxious, we get what's called shallow breathing. You're mm -hmm. taking in more oxygen and that's telling your subconscious, your amygdala, your limbic system, there's a lion and tiger that's going to come eat me. So you start to activate fight, fight, freeze, hide, and that anxiety gets worse. 
Mm-hmm. Anxiety is again, your thoughts become physical. So if you're mouth breathing, you're, you're burning more fuel, you're burning more energy and it's, it's less healthy. Your mouth is designed to eat. Your, your nose is designed to breathe. So, so we, we would probably cut in half cases of COVID if we just breath through our, our nose because of these, these things in our nose that filter out toxins and things to help us stay healthier and safer, um, which I will, I will just preface for the record, I am vaccinated and I wear a mask, but I'm cool, whatever you need to do. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so breathe. So, so Aaron Rodgers, who won the, the MVP last year in football, he says, deep breathing is my number one tactic to calm my nerves. If you watch Team USA, Lori Hernandez, for every event, she put her hand in her diaphragm, she takes a slow, deep breath. And she says these words, I got this. So the breath is the anchor. It starts with your breath because your breath is always present. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of check, oh, dang, I'm kind of feeling a little anxious. Like, let's, let's calm, calm the breath. So parents, teach your kids to put their hand on, on their belly. When they take an inhale, feel their belly expand, not in the chest, but low and wide in the belly and then have them come up and just find your breath. The bigger the moment, the bigger the breath. Let's teach our kids how to breathe. So the last part about yoga is these 10 minutes, they just t- t- tell you to breathe, just calm down, just find your breath, be right here. Your breath is always in the present moment. Yep. So B is for breath. E is to envision. So take a moment and and visualize things that you want. So fear and faith have a lot in common. Which, which one do you focus on? Which one do you see? What, 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 what do you choose to give your, 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 your focus to? I say energy flows where focus goes. Like attracts like. Thoughts become things. What you resist persists. So if you focus on what you don't want, you're going to attract it. If you focus on what you want, you're going to attract it. So this, this is really a powerful thing because the thing about when your kid is worried about performance, they're worried about, about failing. They're, they're doing this checklist of all the mistakes they can make. Yep. And that is, that is this, this, this thought cascade, thoughts, influence, pictures we see, emotions we feel, and mm-hmm. actions that we take. So yep. if, we're, if we're thinking of negative stuff, we're going to feel negative stuff. If we're thinking of, of positive stuff, we're going to feel positive stuff. Mm-hmm. Here, here's an example. Uh, again, I, I use my, my kids as like my test subjects uh, and all that stuff. So, so my uh, son Baylor is playing baseball. You know, he played when he was six and then first time playing, wasn't very good, learned a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID year, seven year, didn't play anything. Uh, he's eight. So he, he gets to try, try baseball. And he has a summer birthday. So he was actually playing with like kids that were nine to 10. His first practice, he was trying to play catch. He got hit, hit in the thumb. Like he wanted to leave. He was crying. Like I want to leave and I want to play baseball. I was like, well, buddy, let's just try hitting. And so, I mean, but yeah, whatever you do, it's like, let's just, we can't quit little practice. We don't have to play, but like, let's just, so he hit and, but we, we found out actually he could play in the level below the eight and the seven. So we moved him down to that level. Mm-hmm. And it was so crazy. He started loving it. He started, you know, practicing catching and he started to like hitting but we went to Palm Springs the first two weeks of the season. We, we missed the first two games. So his first game, again, I'm, I'm testing all this stuff, right? So I'm like, I'm like, Baylor, okay, we haven't played a few games. Other kids have had, don't worry about it. Remember, just have fun, be a good teammate, give good effort. But let's just try a little trick. Let's just, try, let's just, let's just play a, a game. I, I want you to close your eyes and imagine. Close your eyes and imagine the ball coming your way. Close your eyes and imagine feeling, you know, your hands around the bat and 
you're out there and you smell the grass or out and you feel the dirt on your feet and the ball's coming in and the ball looks like the size of a beach ball. It's so big. You can see it's so clear and you feel the barrel of the bat on the ball and you just hit a freaking laser up the middle or you're having so much fun. Just see your pitch, just daydream and imagine seeing the pitch you want. It's like, okay, dad, I'll do that. So he did that. And then when we get to the field, <clears throat> after the kids kind of warmed up, the, the kids are on the bench the other coach is dragging the field. He puts on his helmet, puts on his batting gloves, goes to the batter's box and closes his eyes and starts doing mental reps. That's awesome. I didn't tell him to do this. So I'm a mental coach. So I teach these to pro athletes. I teach these to MLB players. I teach these to college players. I teach these to CEOs. And I didn't tell him to do this. He did it on his own. And he was batting leadoff. We're the, home, we're the away team. So the first, so he gets back up there. The first pitch he sees, line drive up the middle. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I, I'm like teared up. Like, I, yeah. I can care less. Like, I was, I mean, the people say, well, come would you get proud when he gets his? Like, I, I mean, more proud if he strikes out three times and his last at bat, he has full conviction and, and commits to his. That's so good. Do more best with that than getting a hit. Yeah. Um, but so that was really, that was, that was a fun season. Um, that was a fun season. So that was just like a two month, like spring league. So we played in a summer league and the first game of the season, one of his teammates, whose name is George could not hit the broad side of the barn. Mm-hmm. Like, again, we're talking about eight, eight year olds. Like yeah. some of these, it's their first time. And, yep. and, and, and Ben was like, dad, dad, come here. Do you, do you think we should, we should teach him? Think we should show him how to, how, how to imagine. And I'm like, yeah, I'll teach. I say, like, George, come here. Hey, let's just take a moment and close your eyes and imagine. Same thing up there. Close your eyes and imagine the ball coming in. See it how you want it. Feel it hitting before it happens. George does it. He closes his eyes. And I'm I'm coach pitch on pitching. I kid you not, the first pitch, George hits a freaking rope, you know, the left field, hits a laser beam. That's awesome. So before every single bat, I would see George on deck closing his eyes and just getting his reps mentally. Yeah. So that's a long story, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's so so, good though. Yeah. So, but like pro athletes, uh, if you're a Navy SEAL military, uh, surgeons, like in, in music and in entertainment actors, like they're, they're visualized. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a, it's a trained skill to focus on what you want. So when you do that, look at this, the brain cannot tell the difference between a real and imagined event. Wow. It can't. The brain cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is imagined. Like when you're afraid and fearful and you're watching a movie, that's a movie, bro. It's not screen. Like it's not going to happen. Or, or you wake up from a nightmare and you, it felt real. So when you, you visualize these things, you're creating uh, these like neural connections. You are creating um, the, these mental grooves. Neurons that fire together, wire together. I mean, it, your brain can't tell the difference. So when you're in these environments, even though you didn't do it physically, your subconscious it recalls these memories and you attract manifest the things that, that you focus on. But most people focus on don't mess up, mm-hmm. don't screw up. So you're creating a neural pathway to recreate what, what, what you envision. Everything happens twice, first in our mind, then in real life. So why would you not teach your kids the superpower? And just and every day walk them through like mindfulness, just being present with your breath. You know, it's a thought. Don't judge it. Stay neutral. Come, come back to your breath. And then E is envision. Visualize what you want, not, not what you don't want. Now let's move to the S. S is for self-talk. Have powerful self-talk. Have compassionate self-talk. 
I'm built for this. I can do difficult things. I'm worthy of this. I'm not defined by this. So pop quiz. Oh boy. Who's the, who's the number one most medaled Olympic athlete of all time? Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps interviewed says, every time I walk through a doorway, I give myself an affirmation. I'm a champion. No one outworks me. I got hella endorsements. Let's go. I'm rich. Just kidding. I don't know what he says, but he, <laughs> he he's, he's affirming who he is, not, not who he's not. He's affirming who he is. So prior to any performance, taking a test, giving a speech, playing a, playing a sport, band, music, choir, chess team, whatever it is you're doing, mm-hmm. do, do, do you talk yourself into failure or do you talk yourself into greatness? The most powerful voice is your own. What you say to yourself has 10 times the power. Why are we not teaching our kids the power of language? If you knew how, how, how powerful your mind was, you would never say can't and don't ever. You never would. Yep. So let's, let's ha- teach our kids some affirmations. I teach, hey, let's, let's have them memorize three I am statements. I am authentic. I am present. I am courageous. We become what we think about most of the time. So let's take a breath. Let's see what we want and we don't want. And let's just anchor it with, with some powerful self-talk. Okay. And T is for thankfulness. It's to be thankful. So the research shows, a research from um, Kyle Davis, uh, the, the scientist is Dr. Emmons. A daily practice of gratitude lowers cortisol by nearly 30%. Wow. That, that's, that's a stress hormone. Uh, it boosts your immune system. It lowers blood pressure. Research out of Penn shows that gratitude lowers depression and anxiety. Research out of Duke shows that optimists make more money. They're more successful. They're more resilient. They win more in business and in sports. Optimism, gratitude. So, man, the, the, people, the people who invented baseball, basketball, track, volleyball, soccer didn't say, huh, I think I'm going to invent an activity that creates anxiety and stress in people. I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, they didn't. They, they, they made a thing for us to grow ourselves in activity and, and, and physical movement. So if we can say, this is not a have to, this is a get to. If we can teach our kids the power of giving thanks and noticing abundance, noticing joy, noticing and loving what they have, not what they don't have. Mm-hmm. Do I get to be, this is amazing. It's a, sunny sunny day or even if it's a rainy i get to be outside playing with, with my friends like i don't have to be here this isn't life or death there's real pressure and there's fake pressure well you think the game of sports is a is real pressure there's people fighting wars there's there's people who have cancer diagnosis people who are homeless who don't know when they get their their next meal mm-hmm. dude per- perspective is, is everything so if you can go through this checklist breathing envision what you want powerful self-talk giving giving just giving a moment of just thankfulness that's going to lower stress, man. That's going to give you more confidence, more resilience. It's going to just give you a system to just calm those nerves. That's incredible, man. I mean, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through this. I have to say, I mean, like I said earlier, I've been very fortunate to have some really cool guests, have some really cool conversations. I've never taken this many notes in a conversation probably in my entire life. Uh, I cannot wait to spin this back and, and, uh, and listen to it again. Take some more notes. Colin Henderson, thank you so much for making some time for us today. Uh, before I do kick you off here, do us a favor, let us know where we can uh, follow you, find more about you and uh, get our hands on your new book. 
Yeah, let me just say this. I'm glad that we're having these these conversations. Like, you know, dad, the man, like dads. There's there's a stigma around asking for help. There's a stigma mm-hmm. around a personal development. There's a stigma around, um, you know, not having all the answers and trying to like fake it till you make it. Like, let's create a, this this community where support, um, loving, sharing each other, um, asking for help, is normal. Let's mm-hmm. normalize being vulnerable. Yes, sir. Let, let, let's 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 normalize giving and serving. Let, let's normalize making it in this community where we're growing, we're improving. We, we want to be the best version of ourselves. And and I would add on. So the last tidbit I would say is if we're if we're parents, if you're divorced or married, it doesn't matter. Like just just prioritize if you're married, prioritize that relationship over your kids. That's great. Seriously. Seriously. Mm-hmm. If, if your if your marriage is all about your kids, you don't have a marriage. And and you are you're modeling maybe not the right behaviors that you you want your your children to be servants, to be attentive, to be present. So you don't have a marriage if it's all about your kids. So do date nights. Um, know what your love languages are. Go mm-hmm. online 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 right now and Google the Enneagram. Know which 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 number you are, so you can kind of figure out understand. Is your spouse this or that? My, my spouse is an eight. I'm a three. So we, we know what that means. If you don't, go look into it. But you guys, you can find me uh, on Instagram, uh, Colin Henderson, two L's. All my books are on Amazon. Uh, you can visit my, my website, thecolinhenderson.com. And I'm just, I'm just, Brandon, I'm, I'm grateful for you, brother. Thank you, my friend. This has been such a treat. Um, I mean, what a privilege it is to, I've learned everything that we just learned. Like I said, cannot wait to run this one back myself. Can't wait to get this out there for more people to uh, to learn, learn more about more about you, and um, you know, put ourselves in a position to be better men, husbands, and fathers. Um, all right, man. We'll catch up soon. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, brother. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show, or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.